So we're on our sixth commitment, which is generosity. And um, this is the one that for me this year, there's some fire behind. And I think that um, there's something for us in the next year with this commitment. There's always, you know, as we do this series, there's always kind of one that sticks out to me um, corporately for us. And um, so I think the last two years it was shared life or hospitality, but generosity for me. So I'll just share that, and you can uh, do with that as you will. But um, I think that we live in a culture and in a world that is increasingly tight with what we have. Uh, Generosity seems to be something that has gone by the wayside in many circles in our society. And so I'm going to look this morning, what does Scripture say about generosity, and what might it be calling us to what does it look like to commit to generosity? We said before, in this series, um, and the talks are all on the podcast as well, but, but pick a commitment is our encouragement. To pick a commitment for the next year and live that out with your friends, with your family, with what is a circle, and just see what God does. That is how uh, the church has seen people transform, thank you, uh, really throughout hundreds of years is not through these one-off conferences or whatever they may be, but through entering into a practice together as a community. And it seems like such a small goal. Like, I'm just going to pick hospitality for a year and see how that plays out. But if you do that over the course of your life, you can look back over the years and say, these are the moments, the years in which God transformed my life. It's through this patient commitment to one thing. So I just want to remind us of that as we exit this series next week. Give some thought, give some prayer. What's one commitment that I could, for lack of a better word, commit to? I could start developing patterns around, rhythms around. How could I do that in community? And then there's the, this power of no. So when other things pop up and other opportunities, and other, you know, the next fad or whatever, you can say, no, 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 this year for me is about shared life, for example, hospitality, prayer. That's how the church is formed. And it helps to develop our spiritual attention spans if we do it that way. Does that make sense? So here's the last one is generosity. And I'll read uh, what we've said about this. To follow Christ is to place the totality of our lives, including our possessions, at his disposal. Together with Christ, we seek to use our resources joyfully and generously for the good of others. We're committed to a life of generosity, contributing each as we are able to both to the ministry of the local church and to those people and causes to which God may lead us. I um, was in uh, Carbondale last week. It was beautiful. I was away and thinking about this message and thinking about generosity. And the thing that came to me is generosity and gratitude are linked And so I thought, I'm going to look up old quotes from church fathers and mothers and 
there's going to be this amazing quote on how gratitude creates generosity. And know what? There was nothing. And so I think it was just me. <laughs> um, but this is why I think that. When you make space in your life for gratitude, the examine and the Ignatian examine that we have out there on a card, the first practice of the day is gratitude. When you make space for gratitude in your life, to truly be thankful for that which you have, for your breath, for your body, for those around you who see you and know you, for food, for this amazing place that we get to live. That, I think, starts to have an effect on this energy that we may have of accumulation. This constant draw towards accumulation, this frenetic energy. You know how it feels to accumulate more. And when that's our focus is accumulation, that makes generosity really difficult because generosity demands that we live open-handed. This is the best picture that the church has given over the years of generosity is, is pr after prayers and psalms, it's the sense of open-handedness. That what I'm holding right now may be taken by the wind. It may be required of someone else. And so I live open-handedly. But if my mind and my heart are constantly spinning this accumulation cycle, it's really hard to live open-handedly. But if we're thankful, if we have a, a spirit of gratitude, it helps us to live in a way that leads us to generosity. Richard Foster, in his book of Celebration of Discipline, he talks about simplicity, which I think is a byproduct of gratitude and generosity. He says, simplicity begins an inward focus and unity. It means to live out of what Thomas Kelly calls the divine center. Kierkegaard captured the nucleus of Christian simplicity well in the profound title of his book, Purity of Heart is to will one thing. Experiencing the inward reality liberates us outwardly. Speech becomes truthful and honest. The lust for status and position is gone because we are no longer in need the status and position. We cease from showy extravagance, not on the grounds of being unable to afford it, but on the grounds of principle. Our goods become available to others. We join the experience that Richard E. Byrd, after months alone in the barren Arctic, recorded in his journal. I am learning that a human can live profoundly without masses of things. Call to simplicity. Jesus himself had no bed, had no home, but his life was full. That's the model the disciples took when they started building the church, the church that shared with all who had need. Before we think about generosity, 
We have to get to a place where we're thankful for what we have. We have gratitude. That we're not bitter or offended about what we don't have, what we weren't given. That can lead us to a life of simplicity. And out of that flows flows generosity. It's really hard to be generous when we're living at the very edge of our means, right? And I know what that's like. I'm living at the edge of my means right now. I think a lot of us are. But it's hard to think about generosity if we're in this state of panic. Are our needs going to be met? And if we're focused on accumulation, the next step up, the next thing. And so I realize that we're in a bad state economically in our country. Many of us are feeling the squeeze. But yet the invitation by the church from Christ, I believe, is to, is to still pull back and create space. Are you, are you with me on that? However you can, create space so that you can live open-handedly. Okay, so let's see. I think there's three areas of generosity that we can focus on today. Generosity of spirit and life and with possessions. So let's go to generosity of spirit. These these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, so freely give. So the very first thing that we are generous with in this community and as Christians, is that which we have been given, the Holy Spirit. So we, lo- we live a life of generously sharing the peace that we have received from Christ with others, the healing that we have received from Christ with others. That's the first area that we're generous. It's seeing someone in need, it's seeing someone in pain, and having the courage and the compassion to approach places of pain, of sickness, of whatever it may be, and extend the peace and the healing of Christ to others. That's hard to do, huh? And this is the thing. Like, I did this quick scan of Sunday morning sermons on uh, Instagram. You know, like, what are people talking about? It's not this for the most part. It's not doing this stuff that we would say is more supernatural. And I think if we have any area to grow, if we have room to grow and bloom, it would be to move into this confidence of how do we share the healing, the peace, the love, the compassion that we've received from Christ? How do we share that with others? How do we pray for the sick? How do we heal the sick? Who's super confident in that? The crazy thing is I've been thinking about lately that command that Jesus said, teach people to do what I taught you to do. Like If we're going to recover what Jesus was actually about, 
what did he teach people to do? Like, to be crass, it was mostly just to, to barge into people's lives and to get involved in their pain, their hurting, their sickness, their feeling of lostness, of being left out, and just do something about it supernaturally. It's what Dulcie talked about. Zacchaeus in the tree. It's having the boldness to walk up to someone who, who clearly is left out and bring them in. That's the supernatural thing that we've been given, right? To create community that, that is not of this world. My son signed up to play on a t-ball team that was coached by this guy, Will Morgan. And um, it, was a, it was a spectacle to behold. So Will's got his baseball pants on. He looks like a Yankee. And, uh, and these kids... Throughout the season, because their coach, and I know this guy, was in tune to this, what do people actually need? It's not to learn how to hit a t-ball like at age four, right? Maybe. But where's the state of these kids' hearts, and how do we minister to that? How do we speak into that in real simple ways? I saw a community form around that team that was really amazing. It was supernatural. Because someone got in the midst of a bunch of people and freely gave what they had been freely given. Are you with me on that? Give your neighbors, the people that you work with. Think of the annoying ones. (laughs) How can we freely give what we have been given? The Spirit of God, love, peace. There's so much anger and resentment in this world. And Christ comes to breathe peace onto our society, into our hearts. So we're generous with that which we've been given. Can you kind of picture what that looks like? You're generous with it. Not with what you can do to fix others, but what you have with what you have been given in Christ. Another area of generosity that I see it is in our life. That we're generous with our very lives, like our existence. That's a hard one because we're not here that long, right? And so it's hard to to give up like our very life, our time, our energy, right? To risk for others. That's what Christ calls us to. He said, Jesus said this to his disciples, if anyone wants you to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. Because if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is there anything worth more than your soul? We're generous with our very being, right? That's tough, but that's life. Lose your life. Lose yourself. And I've said this before, I think about it like a river. Lose yourself in the flow of the Spirit, the river, the currents of what God is doing in the earth, in your neighborhood, in your school, 
lose yourself. It's not about protecting yourself from the flow. It's about just jumping in, being totally absorbed in it. That is baptism. But I'm not going to get off on that. But Rowan Williams has a great expository on baptism and what it means to be baptized in Christ in the world, be fully immersed in what God's doing in the world. That's what we're made for. That's what Christ is calling us to. Losing our very life. And again, I get in the evangelical movement, there's a lot about let's build protectionist spaces so that we don't have to interact with those others, right? People don't think like us or vote like us or whatever it is. And in a sense, that is a little bit antichrist. Because that is not what you see Jesus doing. He's not setting up his own thing, right? He's freely giving the Spirit his presence, his love, his peace, his compassion to those who are around him, anyone who would take it, just giving it out. Not so he could create a commune, although that would be nice, (laughs) but not because of that, but it's to send them back into the place where they came but full of the Spirit of God, of love, peace, kindness, healing, supernatural ability, so that others would know that they would be generous. Do you see it? Generosity is, the, is at the core of the gospel. It's really at the core of creator, to give, to give life, salvation, presence. So let's just move to the last one of possessions. So this is what we usually think about with, with generosity. Um, but Jesus said something. Hold on. <laughs> he said this, don't store up your treasure here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasure in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Where are we focused? Where's our energy going? Is it into this? Is it into stuff? Investments? Equity? Clothes? I don't know. Or is it eternal? That causes us to believe and to have faith. And that's hard to do. So sometimes it's easier, well, I don't know about that, so I'm just going to sink my treasure and my resources in this stuff because I can see it and touch it. We're called to have faith in the eternal and the realm of the divine. And those people who have touched it and live in it, they see it all the more brighter, more beautiful, and more real than they do this tangible realm. You see it in what we call the mystics. They were just in touch with the supernatural. They weren't storing up treasure here. We call them mystical, but they were just people, right? They were like, well, I thought this is what Jesus said to do. And we're inspired by it, by their lives. And then we see the early church in Acts 2.42. Yikes, that's really small. (laughs) All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. That sounds awesome. That sounds like Bloom, right? 
deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miracles and miraculous signs and wonders. Well, that's a little different than us. But they're functioning in this freely you've been, you've received, so freely give. So they're seeing this supernatural work among them. People healed, people set free. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything. Oh, uh uh-oh. Okay, this is the Bible, right? There's a lot of people out there like, we're a Bible-believing church. And that's a good thing to be, I'm not making fun of that. But the Bible says a lot about generosity. They shared everything they had. This is Luke. This is not an exaggeration. This is a medical professional writing this. It's not metaphor. They shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions. Why? Because they hated property and possessions? It's because they shared the money with those in need. Ow. They worshiped together at the temple each day. Just picture these worship services. These people who sold everything, shared everything. People were, there was not, like the old translation, old translation says there was no one with need among them. So picture how that feels when they come together to worship, to meet in homes for the Lord's Supper. Take a moment, just try to picture that unity that they feel. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people and Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That is biblical, God-inspired, Holy Spirit-fueled generosity. That We share everything that we have. We sell our possessions to help those in need. That is so hard for us. It's so hard for the church in our our country that for the most part, we ignore it. Instead, we amass, we collect, we build empires, schools, churches, Christendom, for us. How do we be generous? I think that we could be entering a season bloom in which we are prompted and encouraged and invited to be generous with that which we've been given. Not only financially, which to be honest, isn't much, but spiritually, What do we have to offer the city and what do we have to offer the church? How can we help? What could we create among us? What could we imagine? How could we draw people back to Christ? Freely we've been given, so freely we give. What would that look like for us? To really do it. To give with everything that we've been given, to just all this creativity, 
passion, all the healing that we've received, to start giving it away more. It's exciting to think about. Can we build in a way that we don't amass possessions, but that we just pass it through? We're a conduit of resources to others. That's the heart of our leadership. I believe it's the heart of our community. For each person to be asking the question, how do I live more open-handedly? Not because this shouldn't be shaming or condemning or whatever, and I know I say it's hard, but it's imitation of life. It's life. That someone years down the road would read your book. Right? Say, this person, like, they gave their very life for the cause of love and healing and compassion in the world. They hold nothing back. They knew Christ. That's what we say about the early church, but it can be said about us. Living lives of generosity, right? So again, no shame, no condemnation. It's only invitation into life. Are you with me on that? So just begin to dream about what it would look like for you. What would it look like? Generosity of life, of spirit, in life, and with your possessions.